under him. He had ridden furiously through most of a night and a day, and a second night and this day. The Comanche was riding toward the curious Breadloaf Butte. As the Butte drew nearer, leaves became visible on cottonwoods, and at their base a sudden ragged burst of movement lifted dust and became miniature shapes of racing horses and riders. They were younger men, well-fed and watered, astride fresh horses. Shrill calls and greetings died away before the glazing impassivity of the older man and the unsteady advance of his drooping horse. His back straight now, the useless arm flopping slackly in its blood-crusted sleeve, eyes ignoring the younger men, he rode down a last slant to the greener trees in a thin run of water in a sandy channel. This was a war camp, stripped of all excess equipment for the incredible riding done by the raiding Comanches in the days and nights of the full moon. It was one small band of many now scouring the South Plains and probing on south to small ranchos and larger haciendas in Chihuahua as the moon waxed to full brightness, the dreaded Comanche moon. The man who walked out from the nearest cook-fire was not the tallest man in sight, but he had the broadest chest. Men gathered behind him as the lone rider came up and yanked the blowing, quivering horse to a halt and slipped off. He reeled and started to fall on buckling legs. Two men jumped forward, caught him, heaved him upright, held him. His words came croaking thickly in the clicking, mouthing Comanche tongue. To Juan Tomas, grief I bring. The lighter-hued features of Juan Tomas hardened, as if he knew what was coming. The lone rider shook off helping hands, braced moccasined feet, sucked gasping breath for a new effort, and said, The yellow hairs of the great rancho have killed Speaking Wolf. They were hiding as we caught horses. Juanito. His horse dropped. When I looked back, I was alone. At the dirty spring and coyote pool, there was no sign of Juanito. Juan Tomas was impassive. He stood for a long minute, thinking, ignoring the man they were supporting in front of him. I know the yellow hairs, he said finally. Now they will know Juan Tomas. Here we wait now, until all who will call me chief are ready to ride. There will be rich loot for all on this great rancho. It was on the two huge water wheels of the hacienda of Our Lady of Sorrows in Chihuahua that John Hardesty came to know that unending labor would not break him as it broke many men sent to the water wheels. Such stubbornness was first a matter of cording muscles which grew stronger with time, but it was also a greater matter of spirit. Some men refused to break when aching bones and exhausted bodies cried for the blessed relief which waited close under their dripping feet and jingling chains. Those who weakened or broke, and jumped off or fell off, plunged into muddy water deeper than a tall man. A rule of the hacienda seldom varied. If a man cared to live, the price was unending labor on the two huge wheels which lifted water from the little man-made lagoon to the higher grape and vegetable fields of the vast hacienda. All that, Hardesty tried to make plain to the new one, the young Comanche. He had tried to talk hope into the man, and even while he had tried had known he was failing. Body and soul, that peon had belonged to Don Alfredo Corrión de León y Delgado. As Big Luis, the head guard also belonged. 
but Big Luis had the coiled whip, cut from a bull buffalo hide. Some of that Hardesty tried to tell the new man, the young Comanche whose bare feet listlessly trod the same wet wheel planks which Hardesty's calloused feet had helped wear smooth. The talk was in Spanish, which Hardesty knew well by now. "'Easy, amigo,' Hardesty advised the new man. After a moment the young Comanche sullenly returned, "'Juanito has no amigos.' "'Juanito!' "'Little John.' he said. A flick of his eyes took in the narrow hips, wide shoulders, high, dark-hued cheekbones, almost level with Hardesty's own gaunt cheeks. Not so little a man, Hardesty said. The smoldering look he got back offered no friendliness. This man wanted nothing from Hardesty, from Carruthers, the Englishman, or from the wild Irishman named O'Meara over at the other end of the train.